0: Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you.
1: to Scream 101 podcast. This is Shannon Chilockian. And I'm Brennan Klein. This week, the movie that we watched and thoroughly enjoyed, as you will hear later on, is My Bloody Valentine. My
2: Bloody Valentine. I won't sing anymore, so we don't have to pay royalties. But then again, when has that ever stopped us before?
1: Am I right? Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Who's there to tell? Uh, incidentally,
2: uh, one of the working titles for My Bloody Valentine was The Secret, so I think that applies here.
1: Oh, good to know. Take that to your bar trivia this week. Anyway, uh, let's start with our 10 word reviews. Brennan, why don't you go ahead?
2: Alright, uh, my 10 word reviews are the following Castle Freak, surprisingly sophisticated family drama for a movie with boob chomping. And Fantastic Four, 2015. What can I say? It's fantastic. He lied.
1: Nice. Did the boob chomping, did they actually take a chunk out of the boob?
2: Yeah, he bit off the nipple.
1: Ugh. Yum. Anyway. He's
2: super freaky.
1: my time of reviews start with Lizzie Borden took an axe terrible movie pretty decent TV show Christina Ricci's A Gem and second A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night really stylish can't believe it was filmed in Bakersfield wow
2: do you only watch movies that have longer word counts than your reviews
1: yeah I mean it looks like it right uh, but then again, we all know that ten-word reviews are not my forte. They are definitely yours. Well, thank you. So, uh...
2: Um, I can't wait, uh, for next week when you review The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward <laughs> Robber <Ford. laughs>
1: Anyway, back to our normally scheduled, bro- uh, broadcast.
2: Uh, discussion.
1: Yeah, discussion, which, uh, starts with Brennan reading the plot, and... As always, there will be spoilers in the discussion starting
2: from now on. (laughs) Here's the plot as read from the 2009 special edition release of My Bloody Valentine. Twenty years after a Valentine's Day tragedy, a small town prepares for its annual holiday dance. When a box of candy arrives containing an eerie warning and a blood-soaked heart, the townsfolk realize that this Valentine's Day romance is as good as dead. And so are they.
1: Let's start. Um Scariness, we rate 1 to 5 screams. Campiness, we rate 1 to 5 perms. Or ascots. Uh, gore, we rate 1 to 5 severed <laughs> limbs. And quality, we rate 1 to 5 unlucky stars. Brennan, why don't you start us off?
2: Okay. My eternal refrain slash of films aren't very scary. And especially in the beginning of My Bloody Valentine, um, a lot of the acting is really stilted. Which kind of... um acts as a barrier for me at least between actually being scared for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But there are some scenes that are actually pretty well choreographed. My favorite being an attack in a laundromat when the lady's swinging all the yeah. doors open to try to block the killer. And there's a scene where um, this guy has set up a fake dummy of the killer in the doorway and he's opening it to like test it out and then the killer's really there. Like, So there are scenes like that that work accurately but I'm only giving it 2 out of 5 because I'm not going to have a nightmare tonight. Right. About My Bloody Valentine. I might have a nightmare about zombies, but it has nothing to do with this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, and I agree. It uh, definitely um, is low on the scariness scale. I rated it a 2 out of 5. Um, it definitely, I think it could have been scarier if we were m- more, more devoted to the sub-characters, but there are quite a few characters that get killed off, that we see them get killed off, that I don't even know their names. Like, I don't know what they do um, or, like, their relationship or anything remarkable about them, but they're, like, you know, about to bang, and then they get killed, and while I appreciate the, the, um, scenes, because they were very well done, I just had no emotional connection to any of them, and I think I would have been, like, that's kind of where scariness lies, you know, is, like, feeling scared for someone else.
2: That's, that's very, very true, and, because a lot of, despite its many good qualities, um, characters are not the strong point of My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. Most of the side characters don't even have an archetype that they can be hung up on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the one guy who's the prankster, but pretty much everyone else is just kind of, like, a Canadian hillbilly wearing denim. A
1: uh, a knick.
2: Yes, we, uh... Canadian
1: hick. A knick. Not a knuck, A knick. Like, knicky. A hickey from knicky is like a Hallmark card. Anyway, there was a Mona character, kind yeah. of.
2: But see, like, there were a lot of people that had, like, a couple lines where you're like, oh, they're nice, I like them, but then they just kind of fade in the background again. Yeah. And you kind of hold on to liking them, but they're not a, a person.
1: Yeah, that's true. But um, I did really like the lore of this movie. Like, Absolutely. their backstory for why the killer is the killer, um, or why we perceive the killer to be the killer, and, like, why he's doing these things, and, and that was all built up really, really well. Like, if you watch a movie like Black Christmas... You have no idea what's going on as far as the back lore goes,
2: which is equally good in its own right. Like, right. It, either way, as long as it's handled well, it's good. But the lore here is really interesting. It's a really cool folk tale type thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: And just to recap, if somebody hasn't watched it recently, um, the lore is that Harry Warden was this miner. Um, his managers went to go. They did. M- miner
1: like the mine, like mining. Yeah. Miner, not him. like a. He was not young 17 and, years old. Yeah.
2: Um, when the supervisors left early to go to the Valentine's dance, he and four other miners got trapped in a cave-in, and it he took had to six weeks. Six weeks, and he had to eat all of his coworkers.
1: So he went crazy. Yeah. So and anyone then...
2: who like celebrates the Valentine's dance, he's gonna murder the hell out of. Yeah. So so, so they haven't had
1: one. Oh boy. So they haven't had a, a Valentine's Day dance in twenty years, and they've decided that it's been long enough that they're gonna have one again. And sure enough, when they try to have one. Um, a hairy character
2: shows (laughs) up. I I feel like they're all kind of hairy characters. Right, it's the 80s. Especially Hollis with his walrus mustache.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, Hollis the walrus. Anyway, on to campiness. What is your campiness
2: score? Uh, We wasted a lot of time talking about scariness, so I'm going to just zip through this one. I rated it 2 out of 5 perms. It's not particularly campy. Um, For a Canadian movie in the early 80s, like, it was remarkably low-key. Probably because it had a very uh, strong like blue color sensibility about it. Um, they actually had like a theme they were going for with their costumes and their characters. So so it wasn't super eighties. It wasn't super flamboyant. Mm-hmm. TJ was a little flamboyant. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the main character, um, give or take. He's the son of the guy who owns the mine that um, Harry Wardens killing people in because the a yeah. parting in the mine. It's a transgression. Valentine's Day. I don't know, <laughs> but. He uh, left to go to the West Coast to make a living, and now he's back. What I want to know, I'm rambling already, but (laughs) I really want to know, which West Coast did he go to? Was it the West Coast of the U.S. or the West Coast of Canada? Because that changes a lot. Like, Did he try to be an actor in Hollywood or like, like a whale poacher in the Pacific Ocean? I don't know. But he failed either way. He's not good at what he does. So he's back. His girlfriend is now with this douchey guy, and there's a love triangle. That's what's going on.
1: Yeah, I uh, I would also rate campiness two out of five. Um, I rated it a little higher than you, I'm going to say, just because of two things. One, um, main guy TJ, whose name is also Jesse, apparently, because it's TJ and Jesse. He wears an ascot for, like, two-thirds of the movie.
2: And um, an ascot, the neck thing. Not yeah. an ascot, like a, like a place where your butt sleeps. <laughs>
1: That's so bad. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so there's that. And also, there's this amazing product placement for this beer company, Moosehead, which, I mean, what a stereotypical name for a Canadian beer company. Um <laughs> uh, What do you
2: want? We got domestic, we got Canadian, we got national. Right. It's all Moosehead. Exactly. We want a Moosehead.
1: It's literally all Moosehead. But uh, throughout the entire film, you see Moosehead in everything. You even hear characters say, hey, You want a moose head? And, like, things like that. There was a woman who got killed in a laundromat, right? And there was a moose head box on a table in a laundromat. (laughs) So I don't know what kind of parties they're having in the laundromat, but sign me up. Just kidding, I don't know. You know, Um,
2: you got your suds, and you got your suds. Oh, God. Uh, Anyway, I'm just on a roll tonight. Yes, you are. Like like butter.
1: butter. Thank you.
2: Oh, God, that's even worse. I know. You don't blame me for my jokes.
1: Um, <laughs> On to gore. Oh, well, do you have something, a point upon to make?
2: further research, Moosehead is a real Canadian brewing company, so maybe they uh, lined the pockets of a couple producers in the area.
1: That's what I'm thinking. I mean, it's, it was smart, and it was done
2: tastefully, <laughs> they, you know? They buttered, buttered them up? <laughs> Literally. Buttered the, I don't know. I, yeah. know, I don't know. Never
1: but know. I mean, it was done tastefully. It wasn't like they like turned and looked at the camera and was like, Moosehead? You know, like, we'll save me from the killer today. And, like, walks out of, scr- out of frame. So, you know, it was a good time. And it was fun, because then you could like, kind of, like, look for the moose head in every shot. It was good. I don't yeah, know. I true. liked it.
2: I do wish that they had, like, cracked a moose head bottle over the killer's head.
1: Yeah. Or, like,
2: um, they handed the killer a moose head. It's like the Snickers commercials where they're angry until they get a Snickers. Like, they're like, you become a serial killer when you haven't had your moose head.
1: <laughs> that's funny, yeah. Uh, gore.
2: Gore. Um, how about you start? Because this is your first time viewing this movie, and Yay. I was very happy to show you the super special unrated edition.
1: Yeah, I was. I was a little skeptical when you said um, the unrated version because I, especially with classic horror films like this, I like to watch them as they were released, so I can kind of understand the hype uh-huh. from like that other people have seen. You know, but you said that it would be better, and you kind of gave your reasoning for it, and you were so right. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Like honestly. I don't know how this movie became a classic without those scenes. Right. Because they're so integral to what is fun and exciting about My Bloody Valentine. Like, I- I've seen it the original way, and it's still a fun film, but the gore scenes are the difference between, like, an 8 out of 10 and a 9 out of 10, and that's a really big leap for me.
1: Yeah. I know, absolutely. And I have to tell you, the gore scenes, the gore scenes in this movie are phenomenal. They are so fun. They um, are so... Like, here's how I score score gore. You gotta be creative, you know? Anything with, like, various tools um, in various ways, you know? And you gotta have something surprising. You gotta have something fun. I mean, and you had this with this character. And the character wasn't funny, you know? Like, that wasn't the part of it. But you still got that, like, exciting kind of jump whenever you saw him kill someone next, you know? Uh, And so one of the things that I really loved about this film was not only does he use a whole bunch of different um, tools to kill, he still has his, like, signature, you know? Which is, a pickaxe. Which, which is, is
2: a great weapon.
1: It's great. It's unconventional, you know? which it's is versatile. Exactly. This is, again, I'm gonna bring this up again, uh, Texas Chainsaw. Shouldn't have been a chainsaw, it should have been a sledgehammer. Because Chainsaw is so cliche and it's been overdone and not even done well. And he has this sledgehammer that is great. So... Same here. He has this great pickaxe, but he still uses other things, and I don't feel che- like he cheated on pickaxe. So,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you said your score, but you gave it a four, and I also gave it a four. Yeah, I give it a four. Um. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, the kills are varied. The Killer's outfit is cool. He's dressed uh, up as a miner with a pickaxe, and he's got the the breathing apparatus on, and it's yeah, kind of menacing. Yeah, gas mask. Alien.
1: Oh, yeah, but it also is, like, weirdly phallic at one point, like, at the very beginning.
2: We'll get there. Oh,
1: okay, cool.
2: Um, but we we get a guy shot in the face with a nail gun. That's Hollis the walrus. Yeah, poor um, Hollis? We get a girl named Sylvia. It doesn't matter. We get a chick who's impaled on a shower rod, and then he turns on the shower, and the water comes out of her mouth.
1: Yeah. Um, you have the pickaxe going through someone's jaw... And out their eye, and their eyeball is stuck to the end of it.
2: I think this movie totally should have been 3D, like the remake was. Oh, yeah, right. Also, shout out to Matt Russell, who actually worked on the remake in some capacity that I don't
1: remember. I think he's, like...
2: Like, production post-PA magic.
1: supervisor or something, yeah, something... something. Way to go. Anyway. You got a special title, and
2: thank you for contributing, and I'm going to watch that movie soon. Um, anyway 4 out of 5 um, in the slaughter dome we're going to discuss a little bit more about specific kills that we liked okay, but cool. it is solid as a rock in a mine I don't know oh my god what do you rate it for quality
1: so quality I also rate it 4 out of 5 not only would I watch this again I would definitely show it to friends um, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it even though the plot was like eh could be better who cares no one watches slasher movies for the plot guys heads up you can put on Brennan's gravestone. You can put horror movies are not scary, and then I'll be right next to him, and it'll say, "And no one watches them for the plot." So, uh, quality just like form exactly. Um, anyway, the quality is solely based on like the folklore, which was great. The kills, which were amazing, and just kind of all the mind scenes because that's a very unique uh, location. So yeah, that's my quality score.
2: And I, we're very much in agreement on this one, which isn't, uh, yeah, bleh. we're very much in agreement on this one. I also gave it a four out of five, uh, unlucky stars. Um, but for slightly different reasons, so we can still have a conversation. Oh, thank goodness. Um, I, I like it, first of all, like, it's totally a classic slasher. There's all those elements where it's like, oh, this is the first dance in 20 years, and people say it in this, the really, uh, the exposition is laid out just really obviously, just like a bunch of rocks falling on you. It's like, this is the first Valentine's dance in 20 years. And people just, like, are randomly reminding each other of that fact, even before anything bad happens. Um, so it's got that classic slasher, just fun element to it. And I also really like that when Harry Warden becomes a credible threat to the sheriff and the mayor, they actually cancel the dance. That right. was a problem for him. The reason that Harry Warden still attacks is because the teens have a separate party. He just does not approve of any Valentine's related festivities.
1: Right. And like, like the mayor and the sheriff couldn't control that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good. Yeah, but usually they, like,
2: they took the right steps that slasher authorities should, because there was a scene where it was like Jaws where he's like, We need to close the beach and the sheriff or the mayor's gonna be like, but we can't like literally the town's name is Valentine Bluffs. So yeah. it's like, this is kind of our thing, and it's been so long, like, let's do it.
1: Yeah, but they care about lives more, which is good.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so that kind of thing is really interesting. Oh, uh, shoot. Um, but yeah, Harry Warden just hates any Valentine's festivities at all. Like, mm-hmm. if he was in a Gary Marshall movie, he'd be the one in charge of throwing the anti-Valentine's party yeah. at the Chinese restaurant.
1: And he literally does. He he turns the hearts upside down.
2: He does! He, okay, he puts so much work into hating Valentine's Day. He's like those people on Facebook that, like, share articles of people that they had to, like, search out to find that they hate. They're like, look at what Justin Bieber did today. It's like, why are you spending your time on this? Yeah,
1: or people who are like, happy Singles Awareness Day and, like, say multiple times. Yeah, exactly.
2: Like, the people who make a huge, big deal out of hating this. Like, if Harry Warden have had a Facebook, he would just... It would just be a whole bunch of like broken hearts and sad faces, and he 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 just screws up all the direct, bleh, He screws up all the decorations, but in a really time-consuming way. But what I was saying about the film is that, in addition, I think it has a really strong sense of place. Like it was filmed in a real town and a real mine, and it feels like a like it has a small town atmosphere that I really appreciate. Yeah, totally. It kind of permeates the film, and that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, especially because no woman would want to get with any of those men because of their occupation, unless that was the only occupation in the town. So It's
2: true. Anyway, let's move on to the fun <laughs> times. Um, Champion Dialogue, what is yours that you picked out for us, Shannon?
1: Um, so, there's this character who I automatically identify as like kind of like the Mona character of this movie. Um if you don't know what we're referencing, then go back to our. Uh, yeah, listen to any other episode. <laughs> any other episode. We talk about it more. She doesn't She doesn't get fleshed out as a character, but she does, like, her. The only substantial dialogue that she has, really, is her talking to the main woman, the main final girl, and talking about, like, the Valentine's Day party and how they're excited. And she says this Besides, you gotta see the dress I got cut down to here, slid up to there. I may not get out alive.
2: Yeah, that's one of those great a uh, slasher foreshadowing moments that makes it like one of those classic silly slashers that I really enjoy. There's yeah. there's another line that's similar to that one where someone's talking to this forgetful guy and he's like, uh, you'd lose your head too if it wasn't tied on with the rope." And later the guy's hung with a noose and his head pops off.
1: Yeah, literally hung with rope. I love that. that was really good. I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't said it too. Like that was really funny.
2: And uh, my champion dialogue is just, I love uh, cheesy 80s, like, comebacks for things. And this is what a girl says to a guy who's coming on to her rather hard. Suck it in and zip it up, ya? <laughs> it's just so, like, hokey and archaic and strange and something that no one would ever say. And I always appreciate those lines.
1: Yeah, I feel like, you, like, one of those, um... Uh, like a character goes back in time and like meets their parents, and all their parents are using these like this awful lingo. Uh-huh. I feel like it's one of those, you know. So yeah, definitely. Um, so favorite character? Who is your favorite character? Uh, that one's tough because there's not a lot of
2: characters yeah. that are like really meaty.
1: Most of them don't even have names. That's true. I had to I
2: had to search hard to find their names. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite character is probably Mabel. She's the lady who runs the laundromat yeah. and who's pretty much in charge of the Valentine's dance. We don't see her a lot, but she seems super nice, and she's an authority figure for the kids, but she really likes them. She kind of permits them to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, you guys. And she gets a Valentine, she's like, "Oh!" and then she gets killed. Whatever. Um, but on the part in her death scene when the killer is watching her from outside, and you hear his Darth Vader breathing, and his mask really cold. Um, she's just like, washing Valentine's decorations that fell on the ground or something. But she's just, like, organizing them and smiling to herself and, like, humming a little song. And she, like, rubs one against her cheek. And she's just having such a great time. And I wish I could bottle that essence of joy and happiness for myself.
1: Yeah, she's obviously a genuinely loved person, which is good. Um, My favorite character is associated with my champion dialogue. Um, My favorite character's name is Patty. She is just the girl who is having a good time and happily in a relationship. And she's in a relationship with um, a walrus. Hollis the Walrus, who he's a larger guy, but he also has this great mustache that makes it look like a walrus. Like, like, yeah,
2: he's the original hipster.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but they're very cute together and they're very playful and they're like, you know, secure in their relationship and everyone else is like,
2: yeah, you and, know
1: doing other things honestly they
2: have that sitcom relationship where yeah. it's like the schlubby dude and the impossibly hot lady together
1: right but he, he's funny so it like makes up for it yeah and he
2: doesn't constantly make jokes like take my wife please and then the camera just gets in
1: right exactly and, uh, exactly so so they're they're good anyway that's why I like her which is really saying something because there wasn't there wasn't anything else like any other character that was remotely as interesting
2: yeah this is a very tough category yeah Sarah. totally So, uh, we'll start with my favorite scene. Okay, you do it. Um, the opening scene to this movie is, like, totally disconnected from everything else. It's 100% non-diegetic, except for, like, there might be one connection. Okay, it's, um, these two people dressed up in mining outfits with pickaxes are walking down the shaft, they go into this tunnel, uh, one of them takes off their suit, and it's a lady in a bra, and she has a little heart tattoo on her boob, and she, like, shakes out her blonde hair, and it's basically the equivalent of, like, a sexy librarian taking off her glasses, but it's, like, a minor taking off their everything, and suddenly they're sexy.
1: Yeah. And
2: she starts fondling um, the the killer's, like, ear tube, and this is the very first scene, and Shannon's like, what tentacle-ass porn stuff are you trying to show to me right now? <laughs> And then he impaled her on his big axe, and
1: she was like, okay, thank God. Yeah, right through the heart on her boob, which was, you know, significant. Uh, I had so many issues with that scene in general, because, like, if you're down in a mine wearing an apparatus that is supposed to, like, help you breathe, because the breathing conditions are so bad, your first instinct is not to strip that off of you and down to nothing but a bra. Like,
2: Uh, you clearly never had sex with the minor killer because oh. he is a blast. <laughs> Let me tell you. That's
1: right. I will uh, I will leave you, that to the expert, uh, a.k.a. you. Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: uh,
0: I've, I've done it with all the slashers. Got questions? I'll answer them.
1: Uh, call 1-800- uh, Yeah, I was being fingered by Freddy. Okay, no. anyway, moving on.
2: Uh, and uh, not to kiss and tell, but Freddy got fingered. Oh, yeah.
1: That's a movie. It was a fun. Anyway. Uh, my favorite scene is just, like, a generic bar scene. It's kind of like your introduction to all the characters, and it's both the male male and the female cast now, so... Because males are usually, like, they're covered in soot and, like, in the mines and stuff, and you're like, oh, dudes, mm-hmm. whatever. And then you get to see them kind of, like, interact with the, with the women and, like, be their normal selves, etc. cetera. Um, and... What I really love about the scene is the moose head, which we talked about earlier. But literally, this um, woman comes over. What is her name? Like, Virginia or something? Uh, Harriet. Harriet. Harriet, Harriet the the Valentine virgin. She comes over, and um, she's like, who ordered the moose head? And she's got a tray, and on it is two bottles of moose head. And then you look on the table, and literally, there's like 50 bottles, and they're all moose head. So for her to ask, like, who ordered the moose head? It's so stupid. Because obviously everyone did. Um, but yeah, and then that like gets the ball rolling for the whole moose head thing throughout the rest of the film, which is really entertaining to me. Yeah, so it's like constant. Yeah, exactly. So that's why that was my favorite scene. So I don't know.
2: Like the moose head had more range and depth than most of the characters.
1: <laughs> Ain't that the truth.
2: Well
1: anyway, let's move on to All we want is beyond,
2: the- Bladder. No
1: blonde woman is impaled on a pickaxe
2: supervisor is pickaxed in the chest
1: supervisor number two is killed off screen
2: mabel my beautiful laundress is pickaxed and stuffed in a clothes dryer
1: bartender is pickaxed through the eye
2: dave has his face shoved into a boiling pot of hot dogs
1: sylvia is impaled on a shower unit
2: michael and harriet are impaled with a mining drill while banging
1: Hollis the walrus. got drilled. Oh. Hollis the walrus is shot in the face with a nail gun he got nailed
2: Ooh, got him um howard lost his head even though it was attached with rope
1: patty is pickaxed in the gut
2: mm, poor patty Peppermint patty all right Shannon so which of those which of those kills is your fate
1: Oh, what to choose, what to choose. I mean, I think some of the best effects um, were... Well, there's really two. Uh, Some of the best effects came from from the the dryer scene and also from the uh, pickaxe scene because the pickaxe coming through, kind of through the neck and out the eye was really cool. But uh, my favorite kill definitely was the dryer scene. It's not an active kill. It's a post... um, More like a post-passive kill where it's revealed that she's just in, in this dryer. Um, but the... That af-
2: opens all by itself.
1: Also. Yeah, of, of course, because that's how that happens, you know. Um,
2: yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been at the laundromat, and that dryer <laughs> just pops open, and a corpse falls out. <laughs> <laughs> they really gotta look into that.
1: Seriously. Uh, anyway, uh, I just thought the effects um, of her looked really good, because she obviously looked burnt from head to, get to, head to toe, but there was a lot of weight to her, so... If they weren't using a real person, they were just using some sort of mannequin or something. They did a really good job, because I believed it. And she like, spun a couple times, too. Oh,
2: yeah, she was spinning and yeah.
1: spinning it was dark. It was cool! I was really hoping, because slashers are pred- predictable, even the good ones. Oh. And so I was really hoping that they would have done that and done it well, and they totally exceeded my ex- expectations. Good. Sorry. No.
2: Okay.
1: So, Brennan, what was your, your best kill?
2: My best kill was the pickaxe through the throat and out the eye, just because, well, um, it reminds me of a particular death in Friday the 13th Part 3, which you haven't seen yet, so I'm going to yeah. wait to really discuss that. But um, it's such a cool out there effect, because up until that point, the movie hadn't been really uh, outré with its gore. Um, I had to put on my beret to say that word. <laughs> But it's just so in-your-face and gross, and you get to look at all of it. And you don't rate it if you watch the one that's rated, you just get stabbed in the chest, and it's not worth it. Uh, but yeah, that one's my favorite. It's just a really genuinely good effect. It reminds me of, like, Tom Savini, like, actual good makeup artists that um, a lot of the lesser slashers didn't get. Like, I'm... it's actually, like, there's a talent working
1: here. I'm so baffled that that kill is not in... The, like, normal release, because that is probably, like, it's such a good kill.
2: Uh, Again, I have no idea why people like this movie when it first came out, because it's missing, like, all of its essence.
1: Yeah. Maybe because they saw it on Valentine's Day, and it was, like, just a very special movie with them and their special someone. Ew. Eh, whatever. It brings you closer together, Brennan. It does. Anyway, who would you resurrect?
2: Okay, I would resurrect the blonde lady from the mine, because I have so many questions to ask her. (laughs) i mean like number one how did this how how did this happen like how did she end up like clearly they went out down in the mine to have sex so like did she know who was behind the mask or was she like wandering around the mine area being a whore and she sees a guy dressed up and she's like i can do that and then she's like Tr- like, seduces him, like the welder and flash dance, and like takes him down or something. Like, I don't know what's happening. I want to know.
1: Especially because when she takes off her, like, garb, um, she doesn't have clothes on underneath, it's just her bra. So she had to get into the suit in just her bra.
2: Yeah, like, this, these are really important questions that are not answered by the film. Um, also, we haven't discussed this yet, so spoiler alert. Um, the killer is Axel, right? Is Sarah, the final girl's, um, boyfriend that she's with currently, even though she really wants to be with TJ, who just got back. Even though both of them are kind of like
1: Yeah, who cares? Um, but yeah, Axel is a D-bag who ends up being a murderer. So, you know, that happens. Um, I would resurrect both Patty and Hollis. I'm cheating because I'm picking both of them. But they, they are... They could have a
2: sitcom like called, I Was Resurrected Too!
1: Yeah, exactly. And um,
2: they're like, honey... Did you fall asleep in the oven again? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's Something awful. weird where they're just kinda of like immortal.
1: Yeah, like forever. Um no, but they are they are the power couple of this movie and are only there to like service the other main characters because they are like the secure couple that is like trying uh. to help out their single ish like going through tempestuous relationships friends. So I would resurrect them both because They deserve to live. So, yeah. I can't
2: disagree.
1: Yay. Um, And then, let's go to the other side. Who would you murder? I'll start. Uh, I would definitely murder Axel, because he murders everyone. And is the worst. And also, he's like handsy with his girl, and like, demanding, and kind of like red flags for domestic abuse, and just like,
0: no. Go home.
2: And... I was telling Shannon that she always gets on the movie's side. Like, she always... Like, if the killer is still alive at the end, she always picks the killer because she just, like, she has such a pure soul. And she's like, well, the villain obviously needs retribution. Uh, I'm gonna kill TJ. Okay. Um, that's
1: that's a valid
2: choice. Like, I, I, I... Yeah, I feel like it's hard to disagree with that one, um, on its own, just wanting to kill him, because as an alternative to Axel, it's like, yeah, Sarah's better off with him, but... TBH. She's better off with none of these guys. Maybe Carlos. True. Um,
1: she and Patty should run off together.
2: Yeah. I yeah. wonder
1: I wonder if he has a giant bell buckle that says TJ.
2: Oh, that'd be great. Then they could have sex in the hot tub and they could spin around forever and then they could throw up a little round. But, like, TJ TJ is is fun for one reason and one reason only. It's that Every time the camera cuts back to him, his shirt is opened like one button. <laughs> more. Like it's constantly just his buttons are descending to show more and more of his torso cleavage, and and,
1: and is, accentuate his ascot even more. Oh yeah!
2: So that's a constant source of amusement. But other than that, he's not worth it. Like I would just throw the ascot and no, have at it. Yeah. All right. Is it that time, Shannon? It
1: is, is it indeed. Games? It is indeed. Challenge me, Brennan. Let's do it. All
2: right. Uh first of all, um we'll start off with an easy game. Okay. It's well I'm calling it the dating game, but it's just Marry, kill. Oh,
1: okay. Has
2: a theme. That's cute. Alright, so first of all, the men round. Would you Bop, Mary Kill Axel, TJ, or Hollis? Uh
1: I would marry Hollis for showsies. I would off Axel, I guess. And be like the lady with the hardware boob. And then I would kill TJ. Interesting. Fair enough. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I would also bop Axel because... Honestly, he's the most attractive person in this castle. <laughs> um, yeah, I bop Axel because he's actually kind of cute, and I wouldn't have to make a commitment to his crazy pants ideals, even though he would probably kill all my friends because I'm not committed to him. Uh, I'll also kill him and TJ, like with one bullet.
1: Although he's not committed to her either because he took some other girl down in the mine with the intention of having sex. And then killed her.
2: Or did he? Did that scene even exist? Was it a dream? Was it in an alternate dimension? These I are don't questions know.
1: we need answered.
2: Uh yeah. So and I would marry Hollis, and I would just constantly make him say, "The time has come for and King." That's what Hollis is saying. Ah. Uh, women round. Uh, would you rather her kill Sarah, our de facto final girl, because she doesn't really do? Um, Patty, the girl that you like the Mona-type character dating mm-hmm. this. or Sylvia who's the girl who gets her head and peeled on her shower rod. Ah.
1: I was really I totally thought that you were gonna put Mabel in this category.
2: I was considering it, but no, uh, I don't know.
1: Okay. Uh I mean
2: look, like she's just too obvious a choice. You would Bob and marry her kill everyone else.
1: <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh let's see. I would kill Sarah because she, as far as final girls go, she's not really, like... She doesn't have very much agency, you know? Yeah, she's blind. Yeah, so, like...
2: Like, she always... She picks up a shovel, and you're like, Oh, yeah, she's gonna leap into the fray, and, and then she, then she just like
0: the hey,
1: shovel to teach t- <laughs> Yeah, so... Um, get yourself together, uh, Sarah. So, yeah, not Sarah. I would... marry Sylvia, because I don't know anything about her, and...
2: Which is always a great way to start a marriage.
1: Exactly. And then I would bop... Patty, because she, like I've said, for every Mona character that has ever been in Bop, Mary Kill, she would be a fun time. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, I would Bop Sylvia, because she's sexually crafty, um, Mm. because they had, like, when they were making out in, like, the wardrobe area of the mine, which they probably don't call it a wardrobe area, because they're, you know.
1: Straight men. Early.
2: Um, But they pushed two benches together, and then they put a whole bunch of coats down, and I was like, this is so clever. Like, I will always be comfortable with you. Yes. And uh, just as long as we don't do it in the shower, I think we'll be okay. Uh, Oh, that'd be bad. I would marry Patty because, honestly, she has such a stable relationship thing going on. Like, she's in it for the long haul. And she, like... I could get fat, I could grow a mustache, and she would stay with me. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's, a, she's very loyal.
1: Yeah, you'd be the walrus cuckoo
2: Ooh. I just keep making walrus jokes. And I would kill Sarah, because who cares? Um, <laughs> and anyway, our next game is The Divination Game.
1: Wow. Long time no see Divination Game.
2: I know. Uh, this one is the Chick Flicks edition. Oh, okay, cool. It's gonna be people who have all been in well, because it was Valentine's Day, and I was, like, trying to find romantic comedies, but there's not a lot of space for romantic comedies with slasher ladies, so mainly just, like, movies that would end up on, like, Lifetime, or, like, crappy yeah. weird.
1: Which is a shame, because there definitely should be more overlap in those two areas. Malin Ackerman is in Final Girls and also in The Proposal. She
2: was in The Proposal? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, so was Ryan.
1: Yay, 10 points to me for knowing that information. Woo!
2: Good job. Thanks. Karate. Um, okay, so, chick flick type movies. Okay. Is what we're going for. And they're all actresses. Okay. Um, our first actress was in Mr. Headmistress, the plot of which is Tucker recently got out of prison, but is soon sought after by other bad men. So, to escape them, he disguises himself as the new headmistress of an all girls school.
1: Wow, that sounds so gay! It
2: sounds Awesome. Yeah. And she was also in Ghost Cat as Brenda, the animal shelter lady.
1: Hmm, I wonder who this is. You, like, gave that to me. You could have just left it at that and then given me the Ghost Cat while I struggled. And
2: I just wanted to talk about Mr. Hitmish just a little bit. Like, oh, okay. Cool. I want to check
1: it out. Cool. Uh, I want to watch it. Can we watch it? We can,
2: I'll see if I can find it. Okay. I think it's a Canadian TV movie, so I don't think they give those to us. We found Ghost Cat. You're right. Okay,
1: anyway. Um, so that's Sarah. Um, yeah, you're
2: right. That's Laurie Hallier who played Sarah. Yes. So you're one for one so far. That's Yay! A 100% track record. You're going to do great.
1: Yay. All right.
2: Uh, this next actress was in... She was in a movie called The Christmas Wife in 1988. The plot of which is, a widower not wanting to face his first Christmas alone responds to an ad for social introductions. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but The Christmas Wife is a great title. And she was also in, like, a million Anna Green-Mabel's adaptations playing Rachel Green.
1: Huh. Is it... Uh, Sylvia? Uh,
2: no, it's Mabel, actually. Yay,
1: that was Mabel. my second choice. Nice.
2: Uh, yeah, because I feel like she's more the type to be, like, socially interrupted I don't know what that means, never mind. Um, now on to probably my favorite career to follow. This next actress was in Moonstruck as a beautician.
1: Okay. And
2: she was in a movie. It was a TV movie starring Ricky Lake Okay. and Craig Sheffer, who was the guy from Nightbreed. Right. It's called Baby Cakes. It's about Grace, an overweight mortuary makeup artist who spends her Christmas trying to start up a romance with the guy who controls the subway she boards for work each day. And this girl that we're talking about plays Craig Sheffer's girlfriend that Ricky, like, has to get in between.
1: Oh my! Like, what are these movies? They sound amazing.
2: I, I want to watch baby cakes so bad. <laughs>
1: um,
2: um... Like, I feel like that might actually fit the parameters for this podcast.
1: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> sounds, sounds horrifying to me. Uh it was it was it pa- Patty? It was Patty. Yay Patty Isn't that
2: great? She got Patty. in with
1: Craig Shepard! Patty baby cakes. Patty cakes.
2: Oh dear lord. Alright, moving on. <laughs> uh recommendation. <laughs> Shannon, your body is trying to destroy you for making that awful joke. Uh
1: uh. <laughs> anyway. Recommendations. So this is a little weird for my rec- recommendation. But I'm recommending No Country for Old Men. Not because it is this movie is anything like No Country for Old Men.
2: I mean, there weren't very many old men, so I guess they weren't
1: allowed. To... Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, but which side of the country? The West? Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, but what I do love about No Country for Old Men, which I remember vividly, is that he uses a air gun, a pressurized air gun, as mm. a weapon. Which is like... Probably one of my favorite weapons used in a movie ever, so.
2: Great. And there yeah. is an argument that could be made that that film is largely a horror film, or very, like, yeah. evangelical horror tropes.
1: Yeah, I, like, avoided calling it a horror film for that reason. Um,
2: it's it's adjacent.
1: Yeah, it's it's very dramatic. I mean, like, Tommy Lee Jones is in it, you know, so it's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> All right.
2: And my recommendation, I was trying to think of something romantic. Mm -hmm. So, Bride of Chucky. Okay, of course. And stick with me here. Okay. It has everything you could ever want in a romantic comedy. It has wacky physical comedy. It has crazy misunderstandings. It has Katherine Heigl. (laughs) She's in Bride of Chucky. It's um, it's the romantic comedy from Hell. It's also a road trip movie. It's a killer doll movie. It's literally everything you could ever want in a film. And I really love Bride of Chucky. (laughs)
1: I know you do. Um, also, you sounded like Stefan. You were like, uh, <laughs> "You're like um, New York's newest hottest club is Bride of Chucky. <laughs> it has Baby Cakes and mm, Patty and Gavin Michael and whatever." I want
2: to devour Baby Cakes. Right after this, we need to look to see if it's on YouTube. Or
1: yeah, it sounds really good. And by really good, I mean really bad. Which Sounds is incredible. Right up our alley. Uh,
2: you know, the oeuvre of Ricky Lake is just really underappreciated. <laughs> that's true. That's true.
1: Anyway, please tell us the clue for next week. Okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> just a reminder.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, just a reminder next week will be our uh, first annual Screamies Awards. That's right. And thank you everyone who voted already. And if you have not voted, Um, You can find the link via our Facebook or via our Twitter to um, vote for several categories that are exciting and fun, including uh, Best Sex Scene, which is probably my favorite category. Best Picture, Worst Picture, Best Champion Dialogue, a whole bunch of cool stuff. Um, Thank you to everyone who already voted. There's actually quite a few more than I anticipated, so thank you for listening also.
1: Yes, and voting will officially close on Wednesday of next week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This upcoming Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, so, that's going to be really fun. It's, we're not discussing a movie that episode, is just going to be those awards, but...
1: Which means that we're going to be discussing every movie that we've done on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, every single movie,
2: including My Bloody Valentine.
1: Exactly, which will be great.
2: So, it's going to be fun. Come back next week, we'll do that. And here's the clue for the episode two weeks from now. In March, we'll be celebrating Zombie History Month. Our first film is a look back at the very first incarnation of the zombie myth, viewed through the lens of the '80s and helmed by Spring One Hundred
1: and One All Star. Yay! Very excited about that one, and by very excited by that one, I, I mean I have no idea what we're watching, um, and I'm very excited to get to know. Yeah,
2: well, cause we were we were talking about how we've never actually really done a zombie movie on the podcast. Like, yeah, The well, Beyond is the closest that we got, and I was only
1: right which I still loved even though it was just tacked on
2: yeah um but I decided like we could have a very brief history of the
1: zombie film and I'm very excited about it there are some amazing zombie films that um some of the most influential people in my life as far as horror films go horror films go um were heavily influenced by the zombie part of the genre and oh, so cool. yeah so like my dad and, and John and um you know, people like that said they were, like, they saw these things in theater. So I'm very excited to, like, delve in. So, yay.
2: Great. And, oh, yeah, if you have a guess for that clue, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, need to figure out how to vote for the Screenie Awards, you can contact us on Facebook at Screen101Podcast, on Twitter at Screen101Pod, via email at Screen101Podcast at gmail.com, find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars, and I won't make any more Freddy Got Fingered jokes.
1: That's not guaranteed.
2: I can't guarantee that, but if you give us five stars, I'll consider it. And, uh, we'll be playing you out with The Ballad of Harry Warden by Paul Zaza and sung by John McDermott from the My Bloody Valentine soundtrack. Paul Zaza! Every good movie has a ballad.
0: Once upon a time, on a sad valentine In a place known as Aniga Mine A legend began, every woman and man Would always remember the time And those who remained were never the same You could see the fear in their eyes Once every year, as the 14th draws near There's a hush all over the town Or the legend they say On a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago Twenty years came and went And everyone spent The 14th in quiet regret And those still alive Know the secret survives In the darkness that looms in the night For the legend they say On a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago This little town when the 14th comes round There's a silence and fear in the air Remember the morn that the legend was born All the shock and the horror was there Oh, the legend they say on a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know as the come and go of the horror from long time ago. And no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago. Um,
1: Okay, we're done.
0: Woo!
1: Bye. 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 Bye.
2: Sweet, bloody Valentine. And now, a reading from Richard III. My lord, whoever so journeys to the prince, for God's sake, let us not to at home. For by the way, I'll sort occasion as the next to the story we lay to part the queen's proud kindred from the prince.
1: AKA, stay off my land, you hoes. This is not your place.
2: Uh, that is not an official transcription. Not a, not an official translation. I wasn't
1: even listening to what you said. I was just trying to come up with something scandalous.
2: Also, uh, fun fact. I accidentally added a word into that. So, if you mm. know which word it is, you'll win a fabulous prize. <laughs> Alright, bye. <laughs>